Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. So if you listen to Tuesday's show, sorry we wasted your time, everyone. We basically did like three hours. Should it be Tom Brady? Yes or no? And uh, Tom Brady retired today. (laughs) So that ship, I guess, has sailed. Unless this is just, you know, Fugazi retirement number two. How dare he torture Greg Olson like that? What's he doing? I wonder if he works the Super Bowl this year. I wonder if they say, hey, Tom, we got a $36 million a year deal or whatever the hell it is to have you come in here and work games. We want we want you at the Super Bowl. I don't think they'd put him in the booth, but I think they'd probably have him on set. Like show pony. Just sort of, yeah, essentially, yeah. Show pony is exactly the right term. I'm sorry, folks, to waste your time. But that's sports. That's what happens. And look, in Tom Brady's retirement, like, I truly believe, Ray, that maybe the single greatest chance for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl might have left town. And that, even though he's not on the team, even though it felt like a pipe dream. But here we are. Welcome back to Trey Lance. This is your shot. And according to all precincts from the 49ers, their dais, they're saying that Brock Purdy might be ready to go week one next year anyways, but OTAs are obviously going to be, uh, doors get kicked in on that a little bit. They're, they're, they're thinking this could be a six-month variety still, which has him in play for next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm also painfully aware that what Kyle Shanahan says on February 1st has next to nothing to do with what might happen on August 15th, because there are just too many moving parts. I mean, what if Trey Lance's uh, recovery isn't complete for some reason. Right. Um, all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo, who for the second year in a row, Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe has a place, he may be resuscitated yet again. You know, I'm just, I acknowledge that he spoke today. I hold him to none of it. Well, here is what he said when he was asked specifically about you know who below. There's an area in which you guys can see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. 
I mean, that's that's pretty definitive. I don't see any scenario for Jimmy's return, which would leave him with a quarterback room that he says he likes an awful lot still. I know we have two starters on our team right now that I believe we can win with. So when you have that situation, you're not that eager to go looking around. Again, you just went through four quarterbacks, and you're telling me two is going to be enough for next year? Good luck with that. I mean, I really mean it. Good luck with that. Including one who has barely started at all. So he still doesn't know what he has in Lance. I mean, he could project practices until he's blue in the face, but you don't know till you see it. And I think what we've discovered is that the 49ers, you know, as planned out as they are, are also A, subject to the whims of chance, and B, tend to react pretty well to that. So, I, like I said, I don't hold anything that Shanahan says today as definitive of anything because there are too many things they don't know yet, including when Purdy will be 100%, if Lance will be 100%, and whether Garoppolo might be needed yet one more time. He was asked, Kyle was, if there is maybe something he would do differently in terms of his play-calling approach with his injured quarterback situation, and he basically said, what do you want me to do? What could I have done? You all saw what happened to my quarterbacks. Here's Kyle Shanahan. When you ask that question, that way I understand, but I think if you looked at the injuries, common sense would answer that question. I mean, how have they gotten hurt? I mean, I'm sorry, Josh got a concussion when he hit the ground. So that's the fourth one you're talking about. I'm sorry, our quarterback got his elbow bent backwards on a normal drop back pass. I'm sorry, on a drop back pass, someone rolled up on Jimmy's ankle. And then we have a dual threat quarterback who got hurt running the ball. So to throw all those four in that category, no, no quarterbacks got hurt when we had to hand it off the whole second half. So we can look into that. Look, I, I, I would say that the Trey Lance sequence of play calling is the only injury where you might have asked a question like, did, did you need to go about playing him that particular way in that particular moment? It seemed a little odd. Everything else is straight up football. And honestly, truly, the Trey Lance injury is also just straight up football. That happens. It sucks. It happens. It feels more avoidable, but it happened. The bent back elbow obviously belongs to Brock Purdy. And here's what Kyle had to say about his recovery timeline as they see it right now through their uh, optimistic lenses. Once three months is over, they start the rehab of just building the arm back slowly. And by six months, it's built back. And that's when I start to ask questions. So does that mean ease them in and stuff like that? Like you would think of ACLs and things like that. And they said, no, the buildup's been from three to six. And at six months, he is the same dude and full go. So that was the most encouraging part that I heard. Hey, same dude, full go, six months from now means, you know, he's in the middle of summer. And that hopefully is enough to get him right back into a driver's seat. And if not... This is, like I said, a shot for Trey Lance. You know, I'm not calling it Trey Lance time, but the truth is he now has the leg up on Brock Purdy that had Purdy not been hurt. He might not have even been able to wrestle back from the guy. So this is a shot. This is a shot for Trey Lance to prove that maybe he is indeed, you know, the everything, everywhere, all at once quarterback that he was drafted to be, that he is going to be some sort of futuristic West Coast wishbone option RPO 
hard to know where it's coming from quarterback. And let's see. Are there odds in him being all that? They're not great odds. Is there a possibility? Sure. I mean, I guess there's a possibility in anything. They should operate as though none of this will work out and plan accordingly. Because whatever optimistic spin they want to put on this, that's largely for us. But they, I think, have to operate as though, having seen the number of quarterbacks in the NFL who went down this year, you know, they managed to get to the conference final only because they were deeper than any other team. And they should plan on trying to be that deep again. And whether that's Garoppolo or somebody else, um, I think what we saw this year from a bunch of teams is that two quarterbacks are simply not nearly enough. And I would not be surprised if the NFL brings back that third quarterback designation that they used to have and then abandoned. And just make it, look, this is an extra guy you get on the roster, but he's got to be a quarterback and you can only use him in an emergency where the first two guys go down. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe it can be. Maybe it can be like the NHL, an emergency goalie, just ready to play for either team. Should the yeah, situation pull, arise, pull a guy. You know, grab a beer vendor. <laughs> Look, we did talk a bit about Brady yesterday. That obviously that goes up in smoke with him saying he is going to retire for real this time around. So that doesn't change the goal. And the bullseye, though, that the 49ers are shooting at. And that bullseye, that goal is simply this. Get home field advantage for the NFC Championship game. That's the goal. It's not the end of the list of goals, but I think it's where the list of goals needs to begin. Now, how do you go about acquiring that? Well, the biggest offseason now, if we can just, for the sake of argument, put down the quarterbacking issue for a moment, which is ridiculous because we haven't been able to do that in seven years now for Kyle. But just for a moment, let's assume everything between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy works out perfectly. Everything's good. We're cool with that. The next most important thing, and maybe even the singular most important thing above and beyond that, if this really is a not dependent on the quarterback offense, The single biggest thing that needs to happen is the greatest offseason imaginable between Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan. Like, these two guys are probably more responsible for getting this team to the NFC title game next year and having them host it next year than anyone else. They just went, you know, they will have gone through a full offseason together, all the games that they played together together. 17 games hopefully together next year. That is an awful lot of their brains unloading on film. Their own strengths and weaknesses. Really getting to know each other as coach and athlete who can execute what you want as a play caller. That is probably where the secret of unlocking the best possible offense from the 49ers truly lies. What does Kyle Shanahan do to deploy Christian McCaffrey in the single most maniacal damaging way on the rest of the NFL and then what does that do to unlock Kittle and Debo and the rest of the guys I think the McCaffrey piece is already in place I mean I don't know that you could look at a game where he didn't seem to know what he was doing or make an impact oh I I'm, think yeah I'm not I criticizing that, retroactively yeah, yeah, I'm no, just I saying don't think, think I don't think they more. have to do anything different or anything more 
other than your normal well here are the here here are the changes in the playbook that always happen from year to year sure here's your playbook and he'll have that on but it's an, it's an off season yeah. And the goal of I'm everyone's just, off season is to improve. Jerry Rice, when he was at his nobody's ever been better than me, would go into that off season looking to be even better than he was last year. And that's what I'm talking about. The improvement, just the simpatico, which really was there from day one. I mean, if that's where what this starts, I mean, that's what I look at that. This is where the conversation between these two has started. And you got to love that first chapter. What's chapter two look like? I just don't know that you can use him more than you did last year. I mean, I think the idea has always been to try to figure out a more balanced offense. than Effectively. I don't mean yeah. more. I don't mean, you know, like, yeah. how do you get him up to 45 touches? That's yeah. not No, I, okay. But what I'm saying is I think he's going to know whatever is required of him to know. I think he's going to show up in tip-top shape because he always has. And I think he's a guy that you can take for granted in everything but health. And health is not something you can plan on. So I think that's less of a concern than anything else. I think, I still think that you've got to go to the offensive line and you've got to make improvements there because the difference between their offensive line and Philadelphia's offensive line over the entire season was considerable. And if you want to be that team that wins 14 games and gets to play at home, you know, all the way through January, then the one place that you look at, you guys go, we don't have enough great players there and make the improvements there. That's, to me, where the most offensive improvement needs to be. The one great player that is there that we would all acknowledge, you, you really don't need to correct anything going on with Trent Williams. When the NFC title game ended, he was talking about a man who had seen an awful lot of football the last couple of years and maybe had even seen enough. Here's Trent Williams from the day of the NFC title game, or uh, this is from yesterday, pardon me. I mean, it's a long season, you know, and having two long seasons back to back, you know, it does get uh, it does get pretty grueling for a 34 year old guy like myself. You know, I'll be 35 when the season start. You know, he do kind of think about what's life look like after football. You know, because I've I've done this every year of my life since the second grade. You know, so you know, you do get to that age where you know, especially after ending a year like this and it being as exhausting as it was, and still not getting quite where you want to be. You know. I get it, you know, you get to that age, but honestly, I'm just taking it one day at a time, man. We'll see how that goes going forward. He's thinking. He's thinking about it. The weight of the frustration that this season ended under, I think, is also weighing on everyone right now. Here's Kyle Shanahan when he was asked today if he thinks, you know, there is a retirement really on the horizon for Trent Williams. I mean, if everyone had to do a press conference and talk for a while after these games, I'm sure we'd say a lot of things that didn't tell you guys exactly everything that's going to happen for the next eight months. But I didn't read his words as that's a big thing for him. I know Trent loves football. I know it's very hard at his age, but in any situation to, to do what you do for that long and come up short. But I'd be real surprised if Trent wasn't fired up in a few weeks. So there you go. And he might be right about that because Trent Williams is just one of those, I mean, he's just got football lifer written all over him. The man was born to play this sport. How much longer? How much more does he got in him? Hopefully one more year for the San Francisco 49ers. Again, Ray, we learned today that, you know, Tom Brady has said enough is enough. And if that is indeed his career, if it's over now, what an incredible career. I mean, what a truly incredible career. I, I was listening to Nick Wright 
try to feign some level of outrage that the NBA's media paid more attention to Steph Curry breaking the three-point shooting record than it is paying attention to um, the fact that LeBron is about to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring record. And if I could lean over and whisper into Nick's ears the reason why, I would say, well, it, it might be your fault, buddy. It might be your fault because there is a level of media fatigue that has followed LeBron James since you wanted to start the is he really the best all-time debate nine years ago when it was too premature to be talking about him like that. But you wanted to get into it then. So now that it's the time to actually have that conversation, everyone's kind of sick of it. And I feel like that's sort of where we've been on Tom Brady for the last couple of years. Everyone's kind of sick of it. They're over it. Like Tom Brady is officially the... The card that they got a lot of respect for, but it's time to wheel it back into the garage. We've seen it race around the track enough times. I, I know what it does. Give me something else, please. Well, he also did it a year ago. And everybody took him, you know, at face value. So, I mean, the second retirement is never going to be as pivotal as the first one. And he conceded that. He's like, you don't get two dramatic essays. <laughs> you only get one of those. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, the only way that he could come back this time is if he decided he was a boxer because those guys retire a lot they do they do uh, by the way ozzy osbourne apparently has officially hung up touring uh he's got a back problem right he's got other problems on top of that i'm guessing too but uh that's it tom brady upstages ozzy osbourne um speaking of back today and i know that this probably didn't interest you at all you probably didn't see a lick of it Mike and the Mad Dog were on ESPN this morning. Francesa and Russo were on first take with Stephen A. Smith. And so that is enough for even my curiosity to go over and check out a show that is not part of my normal morning habits or anything like that. I don't watch screaming morning sports talk radio uh, on my TV. I, I just, I don't. I don't like waking up that day that way. Uh, but I had to tune in. Uh, Mike Francesa has a disturbingly white set of capped teeth going on there. It's like Rex Rex Ryan, almost disturbing. But, man, he can still say things about sports, and he can nail it. He really can. And he said something that I think sums up Tom Brady more than anything else could ever be summed up about Tom Brady to wrap up that guy's career. If you really wanted to get into how quickly can you explain Tom Brady. Mike Francesa said... Tom Brady made himself great. He wasn't great. He wasn't great to begin with. He wasn't great at the dawn of his career. He actually wasn't even great in college. And losing his job at Michigan fueled him in a way that he probably did the most in sports history to turn average above average into true athletic greatness. And... I think that's kind of spot on, actually. Tom Brady willed himself to be the most, what, to have the longest resume in the history of the position of quarterback. The most impressive resume in the history of the position of quarterback. Tom Brady willed himself into this because he's a maniacal competitor. And when he saw, I'm in the right situation to have an overwhelming amount of success. He never shied away from that responsibility. 
And that is what's truly, I think, the most impressive aspect of his career. He wasn't born to be great. He just turned himself into the greatest. Well, he turned himself into that, but here's where you have to acknowledge Bill Belichick's role. Because A, he saw in Brady not only that, but the keys to unlocking the offense Bill Belichick wanted to run. And in that way, it's very much like the Joe Montana draft, where if everybody knew he was going to be that special, he would not have gone in the third round. And that goes for Bill Walsh, just like everybody else. He had to see him up close with another starter in the building. And it, and it had to take time, but Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick had to see there was potential greatness there. And then the rest of it was the, the players themselves. But I could easily have seen a situation where Tom Brady gets drafted by Houston. Oh, no, it can't be Houston because they hadn't started yet. The Oilers. Or or the Lions. Sure. And you never hear from them again. I agree. And I also think it would be true if, if Joe Montana had been drafted by Tampa. You might never have heard of him again. So there, there literally is a level of good fortune to go with all that hard work. But you can't make the good fortune happen if you don't work hard at it. The situation, so your point is well taken. The situation a football player ends up in will dictate their career as much as their own will, talent, work ethic. Some franchises are just impossible to overcome because of their shortcomings. We get that. I think there's a little bit, and, and Bill Belichick obviously gets all the credit in the world for coaching him up, but I don't even think Bill Belichick truly saw a fleck of greatness in Tom Brady that nobody else saw. He's just like, yeah, this is the right place to take a, a risk on that guy. The same oh, way they, that, that, that the 49ers were like, yeah, sure, at this point, it's it's a fine time to take a look at Brock Purdy. You don't see it when you draft him. You see it when... They're in the building, and you see it over and over again. I mean, don't forget that Bill Belichick had a perfectly good quarterback as his starter at the time and did not need a whole lot of time to move off Drew Bledsoe to get to Brady. But you have to see it in person. Of course. I don't think it's a draft thing. The draft is a, is literally a crapshoot. And it's as true for Montana back then as it was for Brady as it was for Mahomes, as it was for Purdy. You don't know what you're going to get till you actually get your hands on it. And that's the difference between a useful coach and a great coach. Ray and I have got, uh, oh, about an hour left in our workday. We're going to return right here from about 3.30 to the top of the hour, and it's normal Damon and Ratto on a Wednesday afternoon. Then at 4 o'clock, it becomes Warriors Live. We got the Warriors trying to win, oh my God, a fourth straight game in a row? Yes, that is what they're going to be asking themselves if they can do that tonight in Minnesota. This is a beatable opponent. Nobody in basketball, well, very few teams in basketball, are more laissez-faire defending the three-point shot than the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that is clearly an area where the Golden State Warriors would like to take advantage tonight. There are a few things that are actually starting to spit out 
positive feedback from the Warriors, especially with some of their road games lately. We're going to get into all of that when we get into Warriors Live. I know that Bob Myers was on the uh, executive show with Steiny and Guru today. He had a couple of interesting things to say. I know that there's a lot of Bob Myers conjecture being thrown around the media lately. Uh, how, how about this for sort of an interesting question that I'm not even officially asking? Who's going to be around the Golden State Warriors longer at this point? Bob Myers or James Wiseman? It's not the worst question ever. It sounded like at the beginning of this year, that's going to be one of the dumbest questions ever. It is materializing into something that might not be a ridiculous question. I think it will still be, I think it will still be Myers who is around longer because I think that's a guy that is at least going to get some sort of a low level interest from some team that, you know, is... I think Myers is going to finish out the year. I cannot say with the same certainty that, that Weissman will. Right. I mean, that's February but 9th. Other than that, trade but deadline. other than that, once the offseason happens, that's a coin flip. Yeah. So th- this is a, a time of intrigue, a time of mystery, a time for adventure <laughs> for, the, for the Golden State Warriors as they try to turn this corner. And, you know, Ray, I've actually I figured out what the Warriors are. Like, I've officially seen the Matrix when it comes to defining them. And it's it's not a complimentary way to define them. But I will use the phrase when we come on back in a little bit and go into what they are, what they look like, what they kind of remind me of. And that's not set to define them because just correcting a couple of areas... Not even dramatically, but correcting a couple of areas. All of a sudden, they're starting to play much better defense. And all of a sudden, their offense and a little bit better at defense could carry them to a season that ends up 10 games over 500 in a year where we've yet to see them eclipse three games over 500. That could happen. They could really still turn it on and really impress us. But in the meantime... They have fallen into a category of team that they were once incorrectly branded, but might now actually live up to that branding. So we have all that for you today. We're guest-free. We got Warriors Live starting at 4.30. We're going to get into what I think the Warriors are and have much more on that. And when we also come back, Ray, how could we fix officiating in the NFL? We have gone over many times all the reasons why it couldn't happen. What if, just for argument's sake, we remove all those roadblocks and talk about it in frames of, well, what could happen? If it were up to us to put together a wish list that the league would then go dutifully execute, what would that wish list look like? Damon and Rattle here on 95.7 The Game. An awful lot of news around the 49ers. As always, we got Warriors basketball in, oh, about a half an hour from now. We're going to get into Warriors Live, and it's great to have you here today. If we're going to have a guest, a guest would have joined us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. I can tell you that Steve Kerr will be joining us on Friday, I believe, on the Bud Light guest line. Meanwhile, we're brought to you by the San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center. Uh, You know when you... uh, 
ask your partner what's wrong and they say absolutely nothing, well, eh, they probably don't mean it. Uh, Valentine's Day is the day where you go out and you make sure whatever was wrong or might be wrong isn't wrong anymore. There are 75 showrooms in one location. It's Valentine's Day. Let the San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center help you right some of those wrongs. Visit 888 Brandon Street or shop sfgcjm.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We're going to get into a little NFL officiating. We're going to uh, get into, I think I've officially figured out who the Golden State Warriors are. We're going to get into all of that in just a minute here on Damon and Ratto. This final segment of Us before we get to Warriors Live at 4 o'clock today is brought to you by Zenny, the official eyewear of the San Francisco 49ers. Shop from over 3,000 styles at 80% off retail prices exclusively at Zenny.com. And again, Warriors Live comes up in 30 minutes from right now, brought to you by Xfinity. Supercharge your home or supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. Uh, John Lynch today was talking about Brock Purdy and getting differing opinions and where he stands on this elbow right now. Here's John Lynch. 
I think he's continuing to, um, you know, get get some different opinions, talk to different people, which I think is smart in an instance like this. There's a lot of smart people out there. You want to make sure you're thorough. He's continuing to go through that process. I, I think, uh, you know, the positive bit of news is that it, it seems to be consistent that the right approach is that one um, that you know, it takes about that six-month mark. Now, everybody will also say you never know until you get in there. Every surgeon will tell you that on every surgery. You know, you always like getting in to see exactly. The MRI tells you a lot of the picture. So um, they're continuing to work through that process. But but we seem encouraged by the prognosis that, that that's kind of where it's at. I mean, here's the deal. If you're the 49ers, you've got to hope that that encouraging prognosis actually plays out that way. That's what you're hoping for. That is what you're, I mean, I'm not going to get as dramatic and say they're praying for it, but that's absolutely what you want to happen. And when you look around the rest of the team, like you just, you can't help but admit as frustrating as that was, as as rough as a finish to the season as it was, this team sits in a very good spot still. You know, if your goal, if your realistic goal is host the NFC title game next year, like, your lawn is great. Your house is great. You've got incredible curb appeal on this franchise right now. If the 49ers, with all of the frustration that has you know, played out over the last couple of years here, the 49ers are without a doubt an elite franchise in this league right now. There, there is no questions. There is even, even someone who hated the 49ers would have to admit, yeah, you know, they've been about as successful as you can be without actually winning the whole thing. And if that's not good enough for you, you know, uh, your, your, your high standards are impeccable. I salute you, sir or madam. But you can't just snap your fingers and say, need a Super Bowl because I want one. Every fan base wants one. So that doesn't make you special. doesn't make you unique. Uh, how well run, built, and ready to execute is your franchise? The Niners check a lot of those boxes. Oh, no, no their, their position as well as you can be if you're not the Eagles. I mean, it just... And last year, they were as good as you could be without being the Rams. And the differences both times were that the Rams had a great offensive line that stayed healthy. This year, Philadelphia had a great offensive line that stayed healthy. Both teams, exceptional defenses. Uh, The 49ers have all that. So really, the only question is, how do you make this better than it already is? So you have to look at the places where you're not a top one or top two team. And that's really it. Because the best running team in football, best defensive team in football, um, offensively, I think they were third. But I don't think anybody's going to look at the offensive line and say, oh, yeah, they were definitely one or two. I mean, they're, you know, 10th. 14th, somewhere in there. I, I'm not sure. Right. It's not an PFF embarrassing team. number, but it's not an elite number. No, and I think they've seen now over the last two years that if you want to get to that thing, you got to be elite everywhere or as close to elite everywhere as you can be. They have gradually but clearly improved that secondary to the point where you don't like to throw at them. So what's left? And to me... Even more than the quarterback, it's the offensive line. Interior O-line, interior D-line, and then stay healthy. Yeah. Those and, are the three must-adds. And, and, and a third quarterback that you're comfortable with. You know, And I don't mean like a, a 55-year-old 
Josh McCown type. I mean, somebody who's been around the block, you know, can be both a mentor and a guide. And if worse, came, worse comes to worse, can play. And weirdly, one of the few guys that fits that bill don't. is a guy who's already on payroll. Don't say it. No, no. I, at some point, nobody wanted to say this last year. And what happened? The unthinkable. And what happened from there? He got them into a position where Brock Purdy could be a difference maker. The unthinkable. And that's was, not. But that's the, not to be scoffed the un, at. The unthinkable was only available because there was a. There, it was an impossibility for Jimmy to plot his own course. That possibility sounds like it has been communicated very loud and clear to the 49ers when Kyle Shanahan was asked about this earlier today. There's an area which you guys could see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. I mean, there you go. I, I, I don't see a scenario because Jimmy's basically already told us, I, I'm out of here. Thanks for the memories. I, I'm, I'm guessing that has something to do with it. I yeah, unless I I've heard that and nobody's indicated that, I'm keeping that option open as well. Just because this was a done deal last year, and lo and behold, it wasn't. And the one thing you can say about Kyle Shanahan more than anything else, nothing is impossible until it's impossible. Will is in Oakland. Will, you're on ninety-five-seven. The game. What do you got? What's happening, gentlemen? How are you? Uh, uh, I, honestly, this is the greatest show of all time, and I'm sorry that I had to say that. Um, you guys are awesome. And this is all stupid. All this stuff we're talking about is ridiculous. And they're talking about, like, the play calling and stuff with Shanahan, and I'm like, this is kind of amazing, man. He went, he took us to the bowl, man. Again, well, championship game. Again. And everybody's so mad about it, but I'm like, just relax. Well, how many, well, how many soda pops for you at 3.40 in the afternoon? Well, no soda pops. I, I would imagine so. Thank you very much for the call. Look, I, I. I'm glad you like the show. I'm glad you're listening. Ray's having as, as as much fun as anybody in the audience. Yeah, at 3.30 in the afternoon. It's your kind of guy. That may be a cry for help. Well, I'm glad he called us. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think... I, I don't know how many people are complaining that somehow Kyle Shanahan has failed again. And if they are, they can easily be dismissed. You don't have to listen to them. You don't even have to reference them. Yeah, this, this at some point, you have to clear out the noise. Yeah, this this failure is not the coach. That the failure, um, they yeah. were unlucky against a better team. Yeah, they they were they were up against the breaks. They were up against a better team, and they were up against the entirety of the history book of professional football that says a rookie might have won a post game season or two, but you don't get to win three with a rookie. And who knows? Maybe they would have. But there was an injury, and again, more bad luck. We're going to get into the other element of... And again, no one here is blaming any officiating, but I could not help but notice that the most penalized playoff games were the NFC title game and the AFC title game. 
And to me, that is just a bad look for football. How can we help them correct that bad look? All getting to that in just one second. We're going to get back into the Warriors, obviously, when we get into Warriors Live around 4 o'clock today. But I figured out who the Warriors are, Ray. I've seen the Matrix. Like, I get it now. And this was an incredibly difficult team to describe to anybody up to this point in the year. Wouldn't you agree? Like, how would you describe the Golden State Warriors? They got the best starting five by an awful lot. And then everything else about the team is a sequence of incompletes and don't knows that is incredibly frustrating to look at and watch play. And it feels like every game has a timeline of, yeah, they look really good. And, man, this could turn into an easy game for them. You might even be able to rest Steph Curry. And then, oh, no, something happened in the second or third quarter. And now the fourth quarter is a barn burner for no reason whatsoever. It used to not be like that, but that's the way it is now. Like, every game almost plays out that way. Yeah, no, they're they're a team that is, I think, long on want to, but short on details the truth is this when this team operates as it as we've seen it in the past it's been real good on the small stuff you know the only thing you can say about them that is a demerit over the entire run of this of this op of this team is they're not careful with the basketball but it has not gotten in the way not last year not 2015 not this year but they are fouling too much and and that's been going on all year. Um, they rely too heavily on the three rather than, you know, work the basketball and get the best shot in the possession. They're, they're clearly impatient there. Um, the difference between their young guys and their old guys is marked. And I don't know that this has been a terribly smooth transition. But... Largely, it's, you know, defense and details. And since defense is details, that's what I would say is the one common theme, is that they've been kind of shoddy on that. You know what the Golden State Warriors have become, Ray? They've become the team that Charles Barkley was completely wrong about all those years ago. Remember when Barkley, before the championship, would say that the Golden State Warriors are a jump-shooting team and jump-shooting teams don't win titles. I mean, Charles went to the bank with that. Charles, that was his favorite talking point. The Warriors are a jump-shooting team and jump-shooting teams don't win championships. That is beyond just an offensive description. When Charles Barkley would say jump-shooting team, what he was also implying is they're finesse everywhere, they're not really powerful anywhere, and defense is not on their list of things to accomplish in any game that they're really going to play in. That's what he meant when he said jump-shooting team. He didn't just mean this is a team that shoots a lot of jump shots. And that's what the Warriors are. The Warriors are that jump-shooting team that Charles Barkley was warning you about. Now they have time to correct it. They can be better than just that. But it really is who they are right now, Ray. It, it truly is. They have become a jump-shooting team. They're number one in the NBA in three-pointers made. They're number one in the NBA in three-pointers attempted. They are fifth in the NBA with the best three-point shooting percentage. So, you know probably shooting too much, but you want to keep shooting them. It is an efficient way for them to go about scoring. They're number one in assists. They still move the ball. They got a crackerjack offense. Second best in basketball. 
They're 29th in two-point attempts. That's not just jump shots from in the paint. That's layups. That's at the rim. They're 29th in two-point attempts. They are 29th in fouls. They are 29th in turnovers. They're 30th in free throw attempts. 30th. Folks, that's a jump shooting team. This is everything that Charles Barkley told you and warned you about. He misdiagnosed it. All of the accusations of them being a jump shooting team in the past were totally wrong because that team, although it did play an offensive style reminiscent of this with a little bit more efficiency, they played defense harder than anybody. They were a top five defensive basketball team every single year. And that is the difference and completely disqualified them from the labeling of you're a jump shooting team. Charles never was able to see that. He was, he was never able to admit that he was wrong in his evaluation because when you say that's a jump shooting team, you're also saying they don't play any defense. That Warriors team did. This Warriors team does not. But in fairness to, to Barkley, when he first saw the Warriors, that was the assumption that everybody made. Well, they're too soft. They're, you know, they, settle, they settle for threes too much. and they were, they were a slightly better version of the Houston Rockets that everybody also made fun of because they said, you can't take 43s a game. Well, the Warriors ended up changing the way the game is played in a number of ways, including you know, three-point volume. But you're right. Their defense has not been consistent. It has not been a positive force in their, you know, in their development. I mean, they just, they, they've abandoned the thing that took them from really good to great. Well, and the young guys are the ones who get it least of all. I mean, Kaminga has figured out, okay, this is who they want me to be. But I don't think you get that from Poole. I think he's, he is. He is clearly the embodiment of this Warriors team. You know, it's his fourth year now, and frankly, he's been, I don't want to say resistant to the culture, but he hasn't embraced it to the point where he recognizes, you know what, I'm more than a shooter. And if he's going to be anything other than Monte Ellis, he's got to become that. It's not a, it's not a choice. And I'm not just saying here. If he ends up on another team, same problem. Same problem. He's got to be able to envision a wider form of the game that isn't pool-centric. And I don't mean to pick on him because other guys... No, but he's emblematic don't. of the whole damn team. Yeah. I just think that, you know, you know, it, when he shoots poorly, what else does he give you? And I'm not sure that the answer is consistently, oh, he'll defend and he passes and he, you know, he sees the floor and he really gives you quality minutes. I don't know if that's true. I mean, look, the, the the areas and departments that they need to start correcting don't even need major corrections. Like, this team doesn't have to go from 29th in fouls to 9th. They don't have to improve 20 places. Just improve 9 places. Get to 20th in fouls. Get to 20th in turnovers instead of being 29th. Get to 20th instead of being uh, you know, 30th in free throw attempts. Tiny little corrections that improve you marginally in your worst categories. Get this team six, seven, eight, nine games over 500. And all of a sudden, you start correcting those areas. 
Well, that's a little bit better defense, isn't it? It's amazing how it all goes together and it's all connected. We're going to have much more on all that in Warriors Live. I don't even know if time we're going to have a lot of time, Ray, to get into our wish list for officiating. That could maybe be pushed into tomorrow's show. It is an evergreen topic after all. This is Stacy in Oakland. Stacy, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. You're on with Damon and Ratto. Hey, guys. Love the show. I'm a regular listener. You guys are great. Thank now, you. first off, Niners. I could be totally off base here. Can they afford Taysom Hill and that uh, four-year, $40 million? He would be great for their RPO offense. Um, he can play multiple positions. Maybe he and Trey could share the load and Brock could keep developing. I don't think Taysom is a yeah. solution at all. And if anything, it, Trey Lance needs to become a better version of Taysom Hill than bring in a version of Taysom Hill that is Taysom Hill. So, But I, I, I love thinking outside the box. Yeah, working together, you never know. Um, only point of contention for the Warriors is sloppy turnovers. I mean, we talk about it all the time, um, fouls and turnovers and so forth, but there are some easy things that they can clean up that can limit that number. And you all know exactly what I'm talking about. They're playing six guys, the other team and the refs. They've got to be more conscientious of that. That nifty passing and beautiful ball movement that they do, all that's well and good, stepping out of bounds, all the traveling. I'll take your responses off the air, guys. Yeah, I mean, clean up the self-inflicted wounds, the unforced errors, the drive to the bucket that went off your ankle, because there's a lot of weird drives to the bucket that go off your ankle, Jordan Poole. Those are the types of correctable errors. You know, again, when you are 29th in turnovers, that's not just guys in your hip pocket all night long, you know, just gaffling you. That's you being sloppy. And there's a level of Warriors being a little bit sloppy that has always kind of gone hand-in-hand with their heavy assist offense. Again, when the ball's hopping around, sometimes it hops out of bounds too. But that should be two or three times in a game, not two or three times in a half. And that's when it really gets frustrating, when it becomes two or three times in a quarter. I mean, they were really sloppy with the ball against, what was it, Toronto? Was that the game where they just had 14 first-half turnovers and it felt like they all happened in the span of the first five minutes yeah, of the game? Yeah, that was seriously bad hockey. <laughs> yeah, it really was. So, you know, be anything less than practically dead last in self-inflicted wound categories. And to me, 29th in two-point attempts, 29th in fouls, 29th in turnovers, 30th in free-throw attempts, those are self-inflicted categories more than they just are the straight-up excellent defensive effort that you're facing. Because I'm watching these games, and you're not facing excellent defensive efforts game in, game out by every team in the league. Nobody in this league's playing any defense yet. Basically. Except the Celtics a little. Celtics, the Knicks. The Bucks. Um, I mean, they're, yeah, there are a few teams yeah. that, that defend. but The Denver Nuggets a little. No, the, defender, the Denver Nuggets more than you would think. Yeah. But the Warriors' big problem is that being 29th, it's not just being 29th. It's being dramatically worse than they were a year ago, especially in turnovers. They usually would float around high 14s. Yeah. They're now 16 and a half. And it's not the number, but it's the way that they don't get the turnover possession back by defending at the other end. 
They used to be able to minimize damage and turnovers by defending at the other end and getting the ball back. Transition defense. And Steve's yeah. talking about that. It's like this first nitpicking topic of the year. He hated their transition defense, and he probably yeah. doesn't like it more now. Well, no, because he's mentioned since then that he hates everybody's transition defense. And that's why he thinks so many games are in the 120s and so many guys are getting 40 and 50 a night. We're going to hear from Steve Kerr on some road wins, which they actually are beginning to accumulate in, uh, dare I say, bunches. I don't know if we're ready for that, but clumps. It's probably more accurate. Clumps of road wins. Can they clump one together tonight in Minnesota? We're going to come on back and talk about that. We will hear from Steph Curry on a little load management. And Bob Myers stopped on by with Steiny and Guru today. We're going to have that for you as we slip on into Warriors Live here on 95.7 The Game. So stick around. Much more coming up. Brought to you by Boxer and Gerson, Northern California's premier workers' compensation law firm, helping injured workers get their lives back for over 40 years. And Damon and Ratto, as always, brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. Coming up next, it's Warriors Live here on 95.7 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.